0: Gabba Gabba Records and Vintage Goods, located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolinas underground music scene. With your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins.
1: Hello. Hey, John. Hi, John. Hey there. How are you?
2: Good. How are you? I'm
1: doing well. You caught me on a bad hair day.
2: Uh, <laughs> you look great.
1: I, I have bad oh, hair days all the time. How you doing? This wasn't so difficult,
3: right?
0: No. No. Well, worked, worked pretty well
2: for him. It was easy. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. I'm just making sure the red light's still going. Well, I'm
0: with you.
1: I I, I have no clue.
0: <laughs> so, how are you doing today, John?
1: I'm all right. I'm all right. Went out and saw a friend of mine today, and that was good. And got the dog out several times, and that was good. Yeah. Uh, you might see him back there in the oh, corner. Yeah.
2: I told you he had a cute dog.
0: <laughs> and I guess that's a, a painting you're working on in the background.
1: Oh yes, yes, yes. I had to have put up something. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> the worst of the worst. Um, I have to. I have to find out. You know I put paint on I never know what it's gonna be, yeah so uh it's like putting the paint on and then taking it off you know bit by bit
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that I that's how I used to paint. I'll just start painting and see what happened and
1: yeah, I'm looking for the painting i, I yeah. you know
2: I just make a big mess, but it's fun,
0: <laughs> yeah, I love to paint, so we'll kind of go ahead and get started here um and I'll do a little bit of an introduction, but uh. Okay. We're doing something a little bit different on Gabba Gabba Hunt today, and it's uh, Gabba Gabba Hunt Goes to the Movies. And where we usually talk about music, and it's all North and South Carolina related, this time we're talking about movies and not really much of a North Carolina connection at all, except for the fact that I've got one of your friends here, the person that introduced us, and that's Jessica Husky. Hi. (laughs) But I'm talking to uh, John Amplis today. I guess I should mention your name. And uh, if people want to know where they might know that name from... Probably most famous for some of the work that he's done with George Romero, um, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Creepshow, and of course, Martin, which is a great movie. And uh, we'll talk a lot about that in a little bit. Yep. Sure. But we, we're not going to jump right into that because I'm sure you get asked about that kind of stuff all the time. Well, sure. And, and like I've told you before, this this podcast is sort of about a journey, you know, why you decided to start creating and do the things that you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And my normal question for my music podcast is what was the first thing about music that grabbed you when you were a kid. But so I'm going to kind of adapt that question a little bit. And I think I gave you the heads up on this, but what Mm -hmm. what was the first movie that you remember seeing as a kid?
1: I honestly don't recall. (laughs) It was a a while back. uh, You know, I was among that generation of the first, you know, when TVs were first hitting the house. So I watched a lot of late afternoon TV, Okay. you know, like five o'clock movie or whatever they would call it. Um, you know, they played Tarzan movies and um, old 40s movies. And uh, so I kind of grew up, you know, watching that. And Mm -hmm. then I went to um, I would go to the Saturday matinees as a young man. Yes. uh, Buy a lot of popcorn and candy and stuff and sit there for, you know, three or four hours, two movies and a and uh 17 cartoons yeah (laughs) (laughs) that sounds fun (laughs) yeah they don't do that kind of thing anymore
0: so now your experience watching movies and watching tv and watching movies on tv as a kid was that did that give you any kind of desire to act at that point or was that something that kind of came along a little bit later
1: no not really um what got me interested in acting i don't know if i you know it took a long time for that to really happen but I had an uncle that was involved in um, community theater here in Pittsburgh. Okay. And so he both acted in and directed uh, at little summer theaters and things like that. And so he cast me in a play when I was 10. Okay. That's kind of where I got the first taste of being on stage and having to, you know, remember lines and (laughs) all of that, which I never became terribly proficient at.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit too.
1: But um, what was the name of that play? It was called uh, Dark at the Top of the Stairs. Okay. I can't remember the playwright's name offhand, but that was the name of it. And there was a 10-year-old in the play. Mm -hmm. And me and my cousin, who's... Uh, we were about the same size, but he was a little younger than I. Um, he got another little tiny role, mm-hmm. and then I got the role of the son. Okay, so uh, a
0: kind of a significant uh, role,
1: yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was a good little role Not for a 10 year old, you know. <laughs> <what I mean? laughs>
0: And what was that like at ten? Was that was that what opened your eyes, or did did it take well, years you know, after that? It
1: was it was the um, it was the camaraderie of the of the group? Oh yeah, that really kind of drew me into enjoying myself. It took a long time to get used to being on stage mm-hmm. uh, and working in front of people, but um, that to this day scares the hell out of me. So <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I got involved and. I did some more of that same kind of thing up into my early teens. And then I stopped doing it, you know, for a long time. Okay. Uh, I mean, the, the majority of my, like, say, 15 to 18, 19 years of age.
0: Just didn't really uh, do a whole lot of it.
1: You know, I, I, no, I didn't. I actually worked for, uh, speaking of my cousin, he um, he got a job one summer pulling ponies, in parks and, uh, you know, birthday parties and things like that. He, uh, we had a, uh, stables that was in our main park here in Pittsburgh, in Shenley park. I followed in his footsteps and started, you know, being a pony handler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and, and then he quit and I, I continued on and, and got a job with the stables. Okay. And so I worked at the stables all, you know, every year until i uh, almost until i graduated high school
0: well you you talked a minute ago about the camaraderie of being in like the the actors and the play and everything when when i was in high school i was involved in drama class um i mostly did (laughs) yeah i I was more like stage crew i did lighting was my thing i loved lighting but oh yeah but i was on a on the stage a couple of times but i just always loved like everything that happened around the play just the the people that I, my classmates, even people that I wasn't really good friends with during the play, we were like best friends.
1: Absolutely, and
0: it was fun just hanging out before, hanging out afterwards. Everything was it brings fun.
1: People it. together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it really does, and it becomes a it becomes a family. Uh, that's what I like about uh, theater and film. Both in both cases, it takes a group of people mm-hmm. to create um, the product. Not just a single, you know, not like a painter or, you know, who works solo. But it takes a group of people in order to make the whole thing uh, work. Oh, yeah. When I finally got to the Playhouse uh, in 72, I walked in and I I just fell in love with it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: immediately. Yeah, It became a home. I mean, my background was kind of a little crazy as a... As a kid growing up, so I was in need of a place to be that that was mine and a place I could feel comfortable in. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just fell in love with it uh, from that point on.
0: Yeah, I, I totally understand that because for me that was music. I mean, I I enjoyed the theater too, and I, and for a time yeah. I, I considered going to school. For lighting and to do lighting for plays oh, but yeah i don't know why i gave up on that i think i decided i wanted to be in radio instead and then i gave up on yeah. that for for various reasons but yeah um, but it was music for me and, and finding the band and playing in bands was was my family and my my home the place right. where i fit in and belonged
1: that's what it is i yeah. mean it, it's it's it becomes a family situation and i you know i still keep in touch with people that i was in college with And uh, when I would go to New York, uh, I'd always run into uh, people I know and students that um, moved on and and gotten work in the theater up there. Yeah. You know, we've all kind of kept in touch, uh, which is nice. Oh, yeah. That is cool. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. Very cool.
0: <laughs> so you said you kind of gave up on it for a little while, just, just working. What? what where, where did life take you at that point?
1: Well, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to be a, a kid. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> and I didn't do a whole lot of it, you know. It was like one or two plays during the summer. That mm-hmm. was pretty much it. Although I did direct my senior class play. Okay. What was the play? <laughs> It it was a play called "Rally Round the Flag, Boys." Okay, <laughs> I I can't remember what it was about yeah. to be perfectly honest, but it was high school aged uh, material, mm-hmm. and that was a that was a fairly good thing for us. And I I you know everybody says it was terrific, but uh, I I'm not so sure though
0: about that. <laughs> uh, that's like the one play I was in when I was a, a senior. Our senior play was called "Hillbilly Wedding." And oh, like, none of the students really wanted to do it, but the, the, the teacher just loved it. And it had been 10 years since she had done it. So she wanted to do a 10-year reunion of it, or, or a 10-year, re- I, I don't, it wouldn't be a reunion. I don't know what you'd call it. Anyway, um, but it was called Hillbilly Wedding. And I played a minor role called Cousin Zeke. And I got to sing a song. And nice. I, had, I had like a handful of lines. And then at the end of the year, I won Best Actor in a Minor Role for that. Oh, very good. <laughs> but, you know, I, I had a great time doing it, but it wasn't like I thought, oh, I'm going to do more of this acting stuff. <laughs> more, I was more like, let me get back in the light booth.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, we trained a lot of lighting <coughs> designers at Point Park. Mm-hmm. We developed, while I was there, um, we developed quite a um, a theater program. It just got better and better. Yeah, uh, And we had a great tech program, and, uh, and so... Um, you would have been more than welcome to oh, come yeah. <laughs> and learn the lighting business.
0: Uh, I, I kind of wish I would have. I, I just, I think in my mind, I was thinking, oh, there's probably no jobs around here. And I, I kept thinking I'd have to move to New York. And while that might have been okay, I'd, I just never really had the desire to leave here. I had friends and family. And, and yeah, I, I was short-sighted I, I, because I didn't think, oh, they have plays in Charlotte all the time.
1: <laughs> absolutely, they do. There are, there are theaters there where you live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, you're, if you had, uh, have you had developed your interest more in lighting, you could have been a lighting
0: designer. Well, that's, uh, that's the story of my life is short-sighted on everything because it was lighting and then, then radio, and it was just – I didn't see the bigger picture. All I, all I saw was what I wanted to do, and I didn't see a path there, and I thought, mm, never mind. And so I floundered around, and now I finally found some ambition and drive. At oh, I haven't, age, so. <laughs> I
1: haven't found. I haven't found any of that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not, no, no ambition or drive.
0: I'm thinking about getting back into radio. I, I'm just trying trying a lot of the different things.
1: You know what I need? I need I need an engineer to come here to my house mm-hmm. and put in a, a little studio so I can do voiceover work.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: My problem is that I have no technical experience or expertise in the technical side of the you know I am not an engineer I'm not yeah. a you know and so even little small things I have to ask for help
0: <laughs> well, if I lived in the area I would come sit you I'd show you exactly what you oh, needed and, and get you set
1: up That's what i need somebody <laughs> in the area and just come in say you know here's here's what you need I'll get it for you mm-hmm. yep. <laughs>
2: you might have to take a road trip
1: we we might have to do that (laughs) i'll put it in your house and teach you how to record
0: yeah (laughs) that's what i need the the contraption that i've got that i do this podcast for would be perfect for what you need to do so like i said i I could come up there and show you and get you set up and and you'd be on the road (laughs) um you gotta come to pittsburgh Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, Sounds like a great idea.
0: <laughs> I've got I've got another buddy that lives in the area and he's been trying to get me to come up there for a while so that might could happen sometime in the near future. Oh, is that right? Yep, That's yep. great. So now you said you kind of took a break from it, or you just did a little bit of it in the summer, a play or two, maybe. Uh, What what sort of got you back into acting? How'd you come back around to acting?
1: Well, you know, after high school, I didn't know what I was going to do. I wasn't prepared to go to college. Uh, That didn't look like it was going to be in my future. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went to the Army. Um, I was in the Army for three years from 69 through Almost through seventy two, two seventy two. Okay, I did a tour in Vietnam, and then I came home and spent my last year in Oakland, California. Okay, and would go to San Francisco. They had a new, they had a theater there called ACT, which actually started at the Pittsburgh Playhouse.
0: Oh, okay. But
1: <laughs> early later in the sixties, in the sixties. 68 maybe 67 something like that yeah um the guy that ran act in san francisco moved the company to uh to there and it became a pretty well-known and still fairly
0: (laughs) (laughs) pretty prestigious
1: Prestigious? thank you
2: he can edit that later yeah i can edit that
0: (laughs) Or not. <laughs> well, like I said, sometimes uh, I leave the warts in.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I mumble a lot. I can't get things out that quickly. Like,
0: I'm the same uh, sometimes. I've gotten better since I've been doing the podcast. I'm better about talking, but I'm a, I'm a mumbler, too, and I fumble over my words a lot, so I usually try to clean it up for, for my guest, unless it just works for the, like, this might work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, in any case, I did a play out there while I was um, – uh, got involved with an army uh, troop. Uh-huh. It was just kind of offhand stuff. It wasn't a, an ongoing thing. I did a play. I had played a chorus boy, and and they were doing a play called The Boyfriend. Uh-huh. And that kind of interested me. And, and then I would go to this uh, ACT in San Francisco, and I saw a production of Cuckoo's Nest, uh, at that point, Cuckoo's Nest was brand new. Wasn't mm-hmm. a movie yet. Yeah, It was, um, it was for the stage. And uh, I just fell in love with it. I thought it was tremendous. Yeah. Innovative, interesting, terrific story, excellent actors, uh, well-directed. It was just what I thought theater could and should be. Yeah, yeah. In fact, the guy that played the McMurphy role is still working. He became a fairly uh, well-known TV actor. Well, well-known, um, familiar yeah. TV actor. I can't think of his name, though. It's driving <laughs> me crazy. Do, do you recall the show, that 70s show? Yes. Is that mm-hmm. one? And yeah. so he was the father. Oh, uh, Kirkwood Smith. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't
2: know his name. Kirkwood Smith. Yeah. Yes,
1: thank you. Yeah. Um, He was tremendous. That's the funny thing about actors, too. I mean, there are so many terrific actors that nobody's ever heard of.
0: Yeah, (laughs) well, a lot of those that guys
1: or gain the kind of reputation that they should. Yeah, they're well known by the people that make films and Mm -hmm. television. But so anyway, yes, that kind of started to inspire me again. Okay, Uh, when I got out of the army. I flopped around for a while. I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And then, in I guess it was 72, I got out in October of 71, early out for being overseas. Yeah. And then, uh, I think almost a year later, I uh, enrolled at Point Park in their theater program. Okay. Do you yeah.
2: have a long history with that school?
1: I do. Yes, I went there <laughs> when I left in 76.
3: That's when I made Martin. My name is Martin. I'm 84 years old. People think I'm crazy when I tell them how old I am. I'd like to be normal. I just have a sickness. The only way I can survive is by drinking blood. <laughs> It's not easy living the way I do. I have to be careful all the time. I'm pretty good at it. I think as I get older, I get better. I haven't been caught yet. Martin, another kind of terror. People don't understand what's wrong. They think that I'm a monster. They think I'm a vampire. People don't realize that those things I see in the movies are not real. I don't have a whole lot of women to watch them. I watch them a lot all the time. I have to to be sure that nothing goes wrong. I follow them. I plan. I'm very careful. I have needles now. I can use them. I can put them to sleep and it doesn't hurt. <laughs> Another kind of terror. I would like to be like everyone else. I have to do things that I don't necessarily like to do. But I want to stay alive. I do need blood. From the director of Night of the Living Dead.
4: Mart, Mart, Mart,
1: Mart, Mart. Mart, Mart, in college, I was lucky enough to have some pretty good roles my last couple of years there. Yeah. So, yes, I do have a, a long, long history there.
0: Well, you said you had a couple of really good roles while you were at the school. Hmm. What, 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 what role? Uh, I can't talk. What roles were those?
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I was in a production of, I did this play twice, actually, but the first time was in college. Uh, a production of the persecution and assassination of Jean-Paul Seurat under the direction of the Marquis de Sade.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: It's better known as Marat Saad. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marat slash Saad. Anyway, it, it takes place in an insane asylum where uh, de Sade is locked up Mm-hmm. And he writes this play and then casts um about the French Revolution and then casts inmates as the actors the, the actors are all insane
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and <laughs>
0: sounds really good.
1: <laughs> uh, nice. it is good it's good it was first done in i think it was first done in um in britain i want to say it was directed by peter Brook. Okay. who is a fairly well-known English uh, director. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, yeah, that was one of the plays. And I played Marat, okay. who, you know, as an inmate he, who suffered from a skin disease, they put me in a bathtub, and that's how I, uh, that's how <laughs> I, I played my part in the in the play. You, know?
2: you got to sit in a bathtub through the whole thing?
1: I did. I sat in a bathtub, yeah. There was a point where they carried me in on, on their shoulders, and then I was put in the bathtub, all because I needed soothing for yeah, my skin yeah. disease. In fact, I'm not sure, but Marat may have suffered from a skin disease himself.
5: Uh-huh.
1: Um, so, I mean, these are it's all based on real people uh, as part of the French Revolution. Okay. But, it, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's <laughs> a pretty wacky thing thing. I did it about 10 years later, 12 years later in a professional company at the Playhouse.
0: Did you play the same role?
1: Yes, yeah, same role. Okay. Uh, where I worked with one of my best friends, uh, Raymond Lane, who played the uh who also worked with Romero in the early days
6: Okay,
1: and did a movie called There's Always Vanilla. And uh, he was uh, quite good in it. So, yeah, I, I do have a long history with the pittsburgh play <laughs> like, yeah. like i said before it became my home mm-hmm. in both emotional and literal kind of ways
0: now did you graduate from school or did you end I did up- graduate
1: yeah okay. yeah i, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, I think you probably so but i, I didn't I didn't, barely made-
1: gradu- I didn't really i did i barely graduated from from high school but I did graduate from college, I, it, you know, more like maybe C average. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if maybe like, um, you know, you found acting or, or found movies and, and kind of went on or if you finished well, up. I, so I'm glad you finished up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did finish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Martin didn't start until uh, after I graduated. So okay.
2: how George, old were you?
1: George, song, how old was I? When you did Martin. I was 27. Okay. Yeah, I was 27. I was kind of an older student, too. I was 23 when I went to college. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bit of life behind me.
0: Yeah. I kind of figured when you said you'd been in the military first and then came uh, back and found yeah, around for a little while, yeah. you probably started a little later. Exactly. And you said, uh, you I think you were starting to say something about George Romero saw you in, in a play.
1: Yeah, he yeah. saw me in a play called Philemon. Okay. Uh, as a musical about the um, the catacombs, uh, the persecution of the Christians mm-hmm. in the early days of uh, Rome and anyway, I played this slave and he saw me in it. I got beat on stage. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he saw me in the play and then we talked afterwards. He told me he had a project that he was working on but he really liked my performance Mm -hmm. and he wanted to talk to me about the play. And he was in the middle of kind of rewriting it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found out later that he had an older character in mind initially. Yeah. I changed his mind about that. That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. And so he um, went away for a while for a couple of months and came back, got in touch with me. Rewrote the script uh, and offered me the role. It was that simple. Yeah, I was very lucky in that regard. I have never uh, experienced that kind of luck, though. Oh yeah. <laughs> since since then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what was it like going from acting on stage to, to being in a movie?
1: You know, the movie was better, easier for me. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah, I liked it a lot more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I figured because they can shoot scenes over and over again, you don't have to to do it all at once. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, exactly. You don't have to do it all at once, you know, inside of an hour and a half or two hours from start to finish. I I didn't seem to have any issue with the transition. Mm -hmm. And I always, I never understand why actors talk about or believe entirely that there's a difference in stage acting and film acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some obvious differences, mm-hmm. but if you're doing the research on the play or on the screenplay or the character, I mean, all of that stuff is the same. Mm-hmm. you got to learn the lines. you got to understand the story. You have to know how things work even if you're a day player, you know, you have to know what scene you're in and mm-hmm. how that scene's going to play out for you. Yeah. I never found much difference in terms of technique, other than you're on a microphone mm-hmm. and you don't have to speak as loud, you don't yeah. have to project. Yeah. But those are obvious things, I think. Obvious little technical things that that really have nothing to do with the performance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I say acting on stage and acting in film is the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. You just get more shots at it when you're filming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, I mean, sometimes um, I know George shoots a lot of film. Mm-hmm. Obviously, since uh, there's a three and a half hour. A yeah. uh, version of this that was just uncovered.
0: Yeah. I, I read about that, like, not long before that news came out, like, because uh, I was doing some research on you, and I saw that there was a three-and-a-half-hour version that was lost. They figured they'd never find it again. And, like, two days later, there's an article saying, three three three-and-a-half-hour version of Martin found. I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: fans told me about it. I mean, <laughs> nobody from the Romero universe other than fans mm-hmm. Uh, gave me a heads up on it <laughs> at all, so I still haven't talked to anybody uh, in the world of George Romero. Yeah, uh, ab- about that taking place. Yeah, I'm very curious as to how it was found, and I was told it was found in Kentucky somewhere, or yeah. somebody from Kentucky called Kevin Chris, who owns the um, runs the uh, Living Dead Museum here in Pittsburgh. Okay. He somehow had a connection somewhere. Yeah. Somebody finally coughed it up. It's been gone forty-five years. Yeah. Now, when uh,
0: George first approached you about doing the movie, I guess when when you gave your script, what was your first impression of, of Martin?
1: Well, I liked it right away. Yeah. Uh, I seem to, for for whatever the reason is, I seem to understand him almost immediately.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I can't tell you why. Maybe it's because I'm a little, you know, <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> mixed up kid. That could be. Yeah. That could be. Uh, it, what's interesting about the character for me is that he created empathy. Mm-hmm. People had empathy for him mm-hmm. in spite of, now, not everybody knew, you know, his situation yeah. and or he believed he was.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, one of my favorite things about the movie is the ambiguity of whether he actually is a vampire or not, whether those flashbacks are actually flashbacks or just things that that are going on in his mind, and and I I, I love that about it, but...
1: That's why I never answer that question definitively. Yeah, but
0: when you take...
2: Ooh, I like the mystery of that. I I
0: love it too, and I I wouldn't want you to answer that question, Um, but... When you kind of take that out or take that into consideration, though, it does make some of the stuff that he's doing like pretty horrific. It's like, if he's not actually a vampire, <laughs> Even if he's a vampire is bad enough, but if he's not, well, it makes no it worse.
1: There's no doubt he's a s- serial killer. Yeah. Um, no doubt at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I always say, too, that, um, you know, if somebody tells you that you are something, or that your particular your personality has a particular bent, mm-hmm. and they tell you that every day.
0: Yeah, the
1: time you're born and you're raised with that superstition and nonsense in your life. What he believed, what he was told, mm-hmm. and I think it's great that the audience needs to make up their mind. Yeah, rather than us telling them. I think also
0: the the ambiguity of it makes that shock ending even more of a shock. Like that that's the that, the that ending was like it-
1: and and the, <laughs> and the sad part about the ending is that he didn't do it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. He, he wasn't he was blamed for the wrong for the yeah wrong. for the wrong
0: one, yeah.
2: <laughs> Out of all the yeah. other deaths that one he everybody just knew he did it. That's so sad. It makes mm-hmm. you 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 feel sorry for him, and you just like yeah. you just take him in, and you're just like, oh,
1: yeah. And uh, unfortunately, you know, they were all misled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he was a sad figure, you know, um, but his deeds were not um, were not kosher. Yeah, yeah, it's true.
0: <laughs> now, do you have you ever seen any of the three and a half hour?
1: I saw it originally, yeah yeah. I think we viewed it down in the office um, At Laurel when it was first put together George did most of the editing Mm. He had help But one of his strengths was uh, as an editor Yeah And uh, supposedly, you know, this long version was his favorite version Yeah Although commercially, you know, that's a tough sell. Definitely, yeah. Uh, which is why it was cut uh, again mm-hmm. uh, down to a 91 or two-minute version. Yes. Yeah. The three-and-a-half-hour version seemed to disappear pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So I'm still anxious to hear, you know, who, how, what, why.
0: Yeah. It's so uh, crazy that, like, 45 years later, it's they find it. Yeah, exactly.
2: I really want to see it.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I really want to see it.
1: I do,
0: too. <laughs> I just hope they let me know. I so, hope so, so, too. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of what else might be in the, in the movie? Is it just more character development? Well, what,
1: yeah, I, what I recall was a lot of running. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I believe the the text had more narration mm-hmm. from Martin. Yeah. You would see him in various, uh, see various images of of him sitting or walking or going by a store or, you know, and you would hear voiceover
6: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: of his thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I recall that. But, boy, I don't recall three and a half hours of it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious to see, again, what um, what's not there? Yeah, uh, and what I recall, you know, I want to see if I remember <laughs> shooting those. I probably will. Yeah, um, I couldn't tell you offhand exactly what scenes are gone.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that movie, it's it's really well regarded now, but when it came out, was it much of a success
1: at that point? It was not a commercial success, no. But it was a. um uh, why is this ad keep popping up? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I, I don't get it. God, go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take a health and wellness break on zoom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, it to me. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't see It's not, no, that's popping up on our side and I've got a free version of it. So Oh, this bastard.
1: All right. What did I last say? <laughs>
2: i'm stuck at health and wellness on zoom at this point yeah i was
0: i was uh let me think what i was asking um oh about about how the movie was regarded when it came out it, it, did it become like a,
1: a, cult, oh. cl- a cult movie or uh, no not right away uh-uh that took a while yeah actually uh, that, uh, that took a good while uh to be honest one thing i had i think they had distribution issues mm-hmm. it, it got very good reviews mm-hmm. like in Newsweek uh there was an issue in playboy yeah you know so it had some it had some really good press behind it but uh no real takers yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh theater wise. Um, it played in New York for about six months at an art house down in the uh, village called the um, oh it was right on tip of my tongue. Um, I'll come up with it. <laughs> but it played uh, it played in the village for about six months uh, as a midnight show. They, okay. I don't think they knew where to put it.. Yeah. Uh, it, it was It was a very different film. Even from some of the other, uh, Henry, uh, Portrait of a Serial Killer, came out at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now, that was a studio, still small, but that was a studio production. It had more money and had a better distribution. Same with Eraserhead, Mm -hmm. uh, came out at the same time. Um, And that had more money behind it and more better distribution. Yeah. When Martin was finished, uh, they went into production almost immediately for uh, Dawn of the Dead. In 1968,
4: George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time now george romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times dawn of the dead night of the living dead has ended dawn of the dead is here it gets up and kills the people it kills get up and kill They must be destroyed on sight. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Dawn
1: of the dead. Because it was filmed in 77, and Martin was released the spring of 77, um, or the summer of 77, I guess. So they were right hot on the tail of, of making uh, Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And then when Dawn happened, Dawn became the hit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what people latched on to. And at that point, George was, as I understood him, was uh, interested in doing a trilogy, meaning Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Yes, yeah. So that was in his head already. Mm. But, uh, yeah, they went into production really fast Mm -hmm. with Dawn. And when Dawn hit as big as it did, I think some of the earlier stuff, and Martin especially, was just kind of lost in the – Lost in the shuffle. Yeah, Yeah. lost in the shuffle. (laughs) Thank you. That's kind of what happened.
0: Yeah. And now you were in *Don't the Dead* as well, like just a, a, a small role in that.
1: Uncredited un- role. Was, that was uh, that was actually an accident. <laughs> um, it was an accident. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to just work, you know, uh, on the film. So I did anything I could to do behind the scenes. Um, and I ha- and since I was from Pittsburgh, I knew a lot of actors in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And was able to bring them into the fold a bit. And they got small roles in in the movie. And then we also cast all the zombies mm-hmm. who were mostly volunteers okay. and easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they came from all over the world, it seemed. Um, that's probably a an exaggeration, but <laughs> everybody that had friends on the crew mm-hmm. you know invited people to come and be zombies and they would get a bag lunch and a dollar <laughs> and, uh, makeup thrown on them, given a costume and maybe a prop or two, and put out as you know went to the zombie school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One, one thing I
0: love about those movies is like the zombies, the, the just the different assortment of zombies that come through, like football players and cowboys yeah. and clowns, and you know, just anything yeah. and everything.
1: <laughs> that is fun about that. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I agree. I
2: like that uh, they had children zombies yeah. in that movie.
1: Well, I'll tell you, too. Um, I mean, some of the zombies became stars. Mm-hmm. What, what, uh, the nurse zombie? Uh, Sharon,
6: mm-hmm.
1: and her husband, Clayton, uh, who worked on the movie. Uh, uh, the w- What's the religion that I'm thinking of? The Not the Buddhists, but they're... The, oh, the Hare Krishna? Hare Krishna, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Mike still does conventions at yeah. the Hare Krishna. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Never said a word. <laughs> never, never
2: said a word. Never. <laughs> I like those (laughs) conventions, though. I think they're fun, and you can see all Uh, kinds of people at all the different conventions.
1: Well, uh, yeah, they are fun. I enjoy going, too. What I found out is, um, I mean, I didn't go for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think 2008, maybe, was the first time I went to a convention here in Pittsburgh, So I I got to them kind of late. I had no idea that there were conventions Mm -hmm. or fans. Oh, wow. That were so adamant and so fanatic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How'd
2: you find out?
1: About the movies. Well, a fan told me. (laughs) Actually, a guy by the name of Lee Carr, um, who was a huge Romero fan. In fact, he wrote a book on Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. That's pretty popular, a kind of part document of the production and information about uh, uh, about people involved and so anyway, he um, he convinced me to go to this horror hound convention mm-hmm. and he set it up so all I had to do was you know go bring photos and go. And um, I did. And I I found out that the R fans are the greatest fans in the world.
6: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I believe it. I mean they they're unbelievable and friendly and um it was an amazing discovery for me and a happy one uh mm-hmm. that you guys <laughs> uh, are out there. Yeah. I mean at to that point I had I had no real idea and so I, I do maybe two or three a year, not a lot, but I love them. I enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, there's no, there's no fan like the horror fan. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you travel for those, or do you do them just locally?
1: No, I tra- I'll travel. Yeah, yeah. I've been to uh, Seattle and California, mm-hmm. uh, and to uh, you know. Um, Yeah, I've had to fly places, and I've I've been to uh, uh, England on several occasions. Fancy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, one of my, who is now a very good friend, uh, ran a convention over there that I've been to twice, and it's all Romero, only Romero. Mm -hmm. And those are great to go to. Because you're there with your friends, only your friends.
2: (laughs) Oh, and you're making new friends.
1: Uh, Yeah, you do. You make new friends. Uh, uh, The people that ran it, Marcus and his wife, Lewis. they uh, did a wonderful, wonderful job. It's great to be a part of it and be able to meet people and to uh, shake hands and hug and Kind of, it lifts you up a little bit you know makes you feel good yeah that sounds awesome <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's uh kind of get back to the the movies and working with george romero it sounds like right. so you said when dawn of the dead started you just kind of wanted to work on the crew but you ended up being in the movie
1: yeah yeah and- yeah uh well one day they they were shooting this gang of criminals that was in the projects it's in the beginning of the movie yeah They needed another gangster up there. So uh, Savini just grabbed me and put me in some very Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) un-PC makeup. Yeah. And, um, you know, bandana wig and really bad, bad makeup. (laughs) uh, And threw me up on the uh, roof. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And so I became an actor again in in the movie. And that's how it happened. I mean, I was just, I was just grabbed. I wasn't even told, you know, Yeah. said, we need somebody else up there. And away I went.
0: So it sounds like you just kind of became a part of like the George Romero group. Like you were a part of.
1: Yeah. And that's what I wanted to Mm
0: -hmm. do. Yeah. Like pretty much do whatever you need to do on the movie or, you know, whatever you're gonna do for this movie.
1: Exactly. I, I, you know, I wanted to learn more.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: I'm a little sorry that I didn't do more of that as time went on. Yeah. Uh, I would have loved to have been a PA or work on the crew in some way.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe maybe learn some skill. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen that way. I mean, by 78, 77, 78, I was already in New York. I would come back and do Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. But then I would get a role at the Playhouse and do that too, and then go back to New York, uh, and then come in again for the next project, whether it be on stage or in the film. But George was making movies pretty close together at that point, Mm -hmm. up through like 93. Just a quick note here,
0: John meant to say 80. He says 90 quite a bit here, but he just gets a little bit off track now back to the interview
1: from 76 to 93 he was pretty prolific oh yeah Um, and because we shot I think we shot um, Day of the Dead in 93 and right after right after dawn shortly after dawn uh, they started shooting motorcycle movie Night Riders yeah
5: Once, courageous knights roam the land, searching for adventure, ready to brave any challenge. Knight Riders. The knight is a fighting machine, disciplined in mind and heart, and noble to the death. Knight Riders. Action. Adventure. Romance. Heraldry. Pageantry. And magic. Magic got to do with the soul, man. Only the soul got destiny night riders they ride for the crown they fight
1: for honor that kid thinks i'm evil knievel that kid thinks you're william the knight you're his hero i'm not trying to be a hero
5: i'm fighting the dragon following a dream as far as it will take them Because a legend lives as long as someone believes.
1: This isn't just a roadside carny anymore. Not for some of us. It's a lot more than that. It's a whole lot
5: more. You know that, Morgan. You guys is the most fun I get in my life. I just don't see all break up. You think it's breaking up? It's money, Billy. It's all to do with money. Money makes
4: the world go around, even your world. Small town jails is uh uncomfortable
5: places. (laughs) Damn uncomfortable. (laughs) Throw down the gauntlet. Take up the challenge. A new age begins. Romance and adventure live.
1: George asked me, you know, if I wanted to be in it, and I said yes. He said I have two roles. Which would you like? Uh, you could play the, a mime, <laughs> or you could play a different jester. Yeah. The one, the role that Randy Kovic got, who fell in love with the, I don't know what he was, master of ceremonies of the uh, oh, yeah. troupe. Yeah. And I said I want to do the mime. <laughs>
0: uh, we talked earlier about how you said you never really got good at learning lines. So no. that was kind of what I said. We talk about that a little bit later. You got,
1: you got this movie and didn't have to speak a no. line at all. Not a word. Not, not a word. I, all I had to do was juggle a little bit, uh, run up and down through the crowd, uh, jump up and down, do somersaults, cartwheels. Yeah. And <laughs> that was it. And it was 10 weeks long. Mm-hmm. And so it was like summer camp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for me. It, it looked, it, it,
0: watching the movie, it looked like it would be a lot of fun to film.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was arduous, I think, yeah. um, for the people actually filming. Oh
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, being on your side of it. <laughs>
2: yeah, being on my
1: side, it was fun. It was
2: easy yeah. for him.
0: Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it really was. Um, I almost felt guilty. It's probably the most money I made on a Romero movie, too, <laughs> uh, because it was ten weeks long.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, what about your relationship with George? Were you and George friends, or or yeah, no. we
1: were we were friends, but we weren't the kind of friends that you know uh, call each other every day yeah. or go you know or uh, reach out and let's go have dinner. Not that kind of friend. We had a. We had a relationship, a rapport, a friendly working uh,
0: relationship. That
1: was, yeah, yeah, a friendly working relationship is exactly what we had. Yeah, um, I mean, it may have been a little more intimate than that, but um, uh, you know, he was—he um, was a very generous guy, mm-hmm. uh, very friendly guy, and one of the smartest people I've ever met. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, you can talk on any subject. So we had a uh, a very Comfortable relationship, yeah, uh, is what I would say. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that—that that smartness is Ed shows in his movies. I mean, just because you know a lot of people think of just a zombie movie, but man, Dawn of the Dead and Day, well, all three of those movies, some real yeah. heavy social commentary.
1: Yeah. yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a hallmark of his work. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Now, people like Tom Savini became very close with George. Yeah. Uh, because they collaborated so closely, especially when Tom was doing uh, the special effects and, you know, working with the crew. Because mm-hmm. that's a everyday intense oh, yeah. uh, situation. And so over the years, he and Tom became very, very, very good friends. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, Lori Cardill, her father, in our neck of the woods up here in Pittsburgh, was... Very well known as a TV broadcaster. He had a show on TV, a late night show called um, Chilla Theater, Mm -hmm. uh, where they ran, you know, they ran old horror movies and things of that nature. So he became a kind of TV personality and celebrity known as Chilly Billy.
0: Okay. Chilly
1: Billy Cardilly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he he did a lot of broadcasting and was on the radio and things of that nature. But he was the lead reporter in Night of the Living Dead. Okay. So he and George had a very close relationship. Uh And so Lori's family and George's family were very, very close. Uh People knew each other, Uh which is a smart way to work. Yeah. Uh, because you know what to expect, and you know what you're getting uh, when you're working with friends. Oh. I guess you have to be careful about that sometimes. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, uh, everybody on a Romero set got along.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. What was the movie
1: that you did following Night Riders? I'm gonna say it was Creepshow coming soon.
4: Jolting Tales of Horror. Creep Show. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly
5: ghouls,
4: cringe at weird kids, and shiver the doings of evil doctors this is going to be extremely painful mr oh. creep show
6: will I'm grab you
4: grow on you and give you the creeps
1: Well, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep Show,
4: the most fun you'll ever have being scared.
0: Oh, I love that one. I do too. And here, here's another role where you really didn't have to do a whole lot of speaking. There was some verbal, uh, <laughs> verbal no, stuff, maybe. I, I don't even know if that was you that was doing the verbal stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Um yeah i uh in fact Savini's the one that actually cast me okay because at that time I was still kind of skinny and so I could fit into this suit he was constructing yeah. that still made me look emaciated because I was thin, I still looked kind of emaciated even with the prosthetic on my chest. <laughs> For that, I sat under plaster and uh, went in for fittings for about a week. Mm -hmm. And then I went away, and um, Savini made the outfit. And then about a month later, I went back to shoot. So it was just a a headpiece, gloves, put the coat and the vest and everything on like a suit. And underground, I went.
0: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You played uh, Nathan's Corpse, and that one, I believe, is how it's built. That's yeah. correct.
1: He that
2: corpse. <laughs> that's a fun movie.
0: Yeah, that's a really fun movie. I watched it yeah. again recently.
1: It is a fun movie.
2: I remember when I watched Knight Riders the last time I saw Stephen King in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes, I totally right. forgot about him being in that movie.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And I guess that, too, is, you know, they were already. Getting ready to uh, work on Creep Show uh, during Night Riders, yeah, yeah. King was there a lot uh, during the shooting of both films. Mm-hmm. But he was there a lot during the summer of, that we shot Night Riders. Mm-hmm. He, he brought his whole family in. Yeah, he a very nice man. I never got a chance to, you know, have a long conversation with him. But he was very kind, and that's the thing. Everybody on. Most of Romero's shoots became friends, lifelong friends. I still see people from those days and uh, still have contact with them. Unfortunately, Lori's parents, uh, her dad passed away a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Her mom just passed away like two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. She was in her early 90s, I think. Uh, Beautiful woman. But... Uh, We do keep in touch, you know, and talk. Yeah. And certainly we go to conventions most of the time with somebody Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) from a lot of Dawn. And um, I'm not with the group that goes that the the Dawn of the Dead team attends because I have a different manager. So what did you do
0: after that? What was the next movie after that?
1: After Creed Show was Day of the Dead.
0: Okay, but now Day yeah. of the Dead is one of those movies that when I first saw it, like I loved Dawn of the Dead, but Day of the Dead when I guess when I was a teenager, it just didn't quite click with me. But when uh-huh. I re- when I rewatched it recently, and I love that movie now. I guess this it's a little bit slow to build up, and I think that's what didn't I didn't like about it when I was younger. But as I'm older now, all that human drama just really works for me. <laughs> right.
3: First.
4: He created the most frightening film ever made. Then, he took his unique vision of terror one step further. Now, George A. Romero takes us out of the night, beyond the dawn, and into the darkest day of horror the world has ever known. Day of the Dead. J. Romero's Day of the Dead, the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history.
1: Now, my understanding is George had a completely, not completely, but a different script Mm -hmm. uh, when he first started or wanted to make Day. Yeah. And I guess for money reasons, uh, he wasn't able to do that. So he crunched, you know, the original script yeah, to be what it is now. Yeah. In any case, yeah, I had two weeks on that movie to go in and do Fisher.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: It
1: was the uh, Wampum Mines, which is like an underground cavern. It's been a mushroom mine and uh, it's a place for storage. They store big vehicles and things in there, mm-hmm. and it's changed a lot from when we were there. Yeah, it's been cleaned up quite a bit. Um, but as I recall, it was um, it was a difficult shoot, especially for the crew and the cast that had to be there mm-hmm. all the time because it's very damp um, and people were coming down with respiratory issues mm-hmm. all the time. So there were a lot of folks that got sick uh, during the process. Yeah, I was already at that point teaching. And uh, working at the Playhouse, I came back to Pittsburgh in 82. And so I took a part-time job as a teacher and uh, actor for the Playhouse Mm -hmm. at Point Park. So I was going back and forth. I would shoot all day, and then I'd drive back to Pittsburgh. It was only an hour away. Yeah. Uh, And then... Teach during the day generally or you know, so I had to split up my time. Um and then after that it it was almost eight years later.
6: Oh wow.
1: Um I got a job as the double for Tim Hutton in um oh well, what the hell's the name of it?
0: Was it the Dark Half? The
2: Dark Half?
1: Yeah, The Dark Half. Yep. That was it. it. Okay. <laughs> Tim Hutton played um, twins, a twin. Um, and so he um, when he was the bad twin, mm-hmm. uh, I would be off camera. I would, you know, do okay, that yeah, yeah. with yeah. him. And so that's how we worked that out, yeah. you know.
0: I have to see but that. Whenever. I was
1: acting partner, and, um, you know, I'd run lines with him and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that just kind of happened. Um It
2: just kind of happened.
1: It just kind of happened. Yeah, I I don't know how it happened. To tell you the truth, <laughs> that yeah, that was the last movie I made. I was involved with in the Romero world.
0: So you said you were just teaching part time at that time.
1: I was just teaching part time. I think it was part. Yeah, it was part time at
0: that point. And you were. Uh, what what, what yeah. did you teach? What what kind of
1: acting? Yeah, we had a very strong theater program, a very strong acting program. And I was also part of the repertory company, which was the professional company of the people within the teaching program. Okay. Uh, Those of us that were teachers, we we were all professional Mm -hmm. actors. Okay. uh, Which is a plus uh, (laughs) for theater students. Yes, definitely. Because they're getting the real information from the, people to do it mm-hmm. and not just talk about it you know so yeah i was i did that
0: and you did that for like or oh, taught for 37 30 30 something years i, uh, oh, I
1: taught for 36 years 36, yeah, yeah from 82 to uh 2018
0: okay so just recently retired
1: yeah retired three years now
0: mm-hmm.
1: which um has its good points and not so good points <laughs>
2: Did, did you like the teaching? Was that one of, like, your favorite things to do? Uh,
1: it, uh, mm, well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Uh, sometimes I did. Yeah, some sometimes I did. Uh, <laughs> I think this is probably true of all students in college. Uh, uh, there's an entitlement there. Oh, uh, yeah. Because they're buying a product. Their college is being purchased. Yes. <laughs> you run into a lot of young people that feel you owe them something mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and you're working for them, which in a sense is true, but it's not really true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Most of the time I did. Yeah. Because we put out some really great students. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. You want students that are going to go out and work. Yeah. I think a big thing about our particular program uh, was work ethic. Mm -hmm. We tried to instill the idea that this takes time and work, actual work. (laughs) You have to learn how to think, and you have to know how the whole thing goes together. So, you know, our students work crews continuously whether it be a student production or a professional production they supported uh, the theater by being crew members Uh and worked in the shop and worked in lights and worked in you know sound and you know they did everything in support you have to know you know what the pieces are that put a product on stage or in a film Uh which is one of the reasons i wanted to kind of do more with George in that aspect, yeah uh, I wish I had learned more about the real workings of um, of of the people that were doing the the hard work yeah uh I'm all into I'm into um this understanding of it takes a village <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> for sure yeah. uh, that's not exactly the right metaphor, but you know
0: yeah. So while you were teaching, you were still also, I guess, putting on productions through the school. Were you involved in community theater during that time as well?
1: No, no, no. I stopped. No, I, I hadn't done that since since I was a kid. Yeah. Okay. I stopped doing that when I was a kid. Once I was out of college, I, you know, became a professional. Yeah. Yeah, I became Equity and SAG and all that yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. So where are we going now? Um, oh, well, good question.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so in recent years, you you have like do pop up every now and then in in a movie, <laughs> just small roles, and I think I watched a little bit of um, Sugar Skull Girls.
1: Oh my God! Yeah. That's yeah, not, not yeah. Sorry, it's <laughs> like I'm I, sorry. I, well, I, I I
0: skipped through it. I found like a couple of your scenes and what. what like, yeah,
1: I, yeah. I, it ended up I didn't really do that much in yeah, it. Yeah, which was okay. How but do you, but find do you it? get?
0: But do you get? I think I found that one on YouTube, maybe, or was oh, it on something for free. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: They were nice people. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of his name. Grillo, I think is the name of the director and producer. Mm-hmm. He and his wife work as independent filmmakers. Uh, nice guy, nice nice family, ni- nice couple. I met him at a convention, I think, mm-hmm. in Keller. I said, sure, I'd love to work with you sometime. And, you know, uh, maybe a couple of years later or something, I get a call or a message asking me to do something. And if I get paid... <laughs> say, <laughs> A SAG wage, I'll I'll consider. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's cool. So do people want will, to will have you in their movie just because of your name? I mean, I know you say you're that's not right, that famous, right. but but you yeah, are. People right. do know who you are.
2: He always tells me he's not that famous, yeah. too.
1: I don't know who does, but uh, <laughs> can't be that many people.
2: That You'd be know. surprised the amount of people here in Charlotte that know exactly who you are, what Is movies I- you're in.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. But, yeah, I did some kind of not-so-great movies along the way. Um, yeah, I watched
0: uh, Toxic Zombies the other night. <laughs> the other
1: <Yeah>. night.
4: <laughs> and we got two million bucks worth of dope sitting in the ground. I ain't about to walk away from that. They must
1: have found the dope growers. Exactly. That's why we have to move fast before they harvest their crop and disappear. You, uh, you're aware of this new herbicide called Dromax? Sure. The strongest stuff they found yet. I <laughs> buy some spray from a crop duster. They get it worse than me. <laughs>
0: That
1: was
2: fun
0: well, I, I tried to watch it And, and I, I did make it through it But I kind of got distracted a lot
1: <laughs> Well that was the first thing I did When I got to New York yeah. Was toxic zombies I just needed the money yeah. uh, There was no other reason For me to do it <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> uh, I did a, another little film with um, John Russo, who mm-hmm. was a co-writer on Night of the Living Dead with George and one of George's partners in the early days yeah. before I got involved called Midnight, which is a so-so little movie, not a bad little movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, John might see this. A mm-hmm. nice little movie <laughs> <laughs> about witchcraft and mm-hmm. murder. <laughs> well, that sounds fun.
2: Yeah. Witchcraft yeah. and murder. Yeah. And murder.
1: Uh, well, you need sacrifices. That's you know? true. When you're doing witchcraft, you have to have sacrifices. Yeah. <laughs> so got to come from somewhere. Yeah. And it's generally, you know, from the younger uh, misled generation of kids <laughs> driving in vans. Yeah, <laughs> driving a <in> van. <laughs> that was fun. That was okay. I yeah. enjoyed that. So now
0: you you hinted, or you said earlier, you mentioned voiceovers. You do some voiceovers these days. Uh,
1: well, I would love to get into that side of the business. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, I really would. Um, I've been saying that for years. <laughs> <laughs> I had some real good classes. Uh, really terrific classes. From a young lady who is kind of Pittsburgh's voiceover queen, Mm -hmm. Amy Hartman. Um, And I took classes with her for about, I don't know, a couple of years. I do have a website that has my voiceover work on it. All just audition stuff, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would love to get into that side of things. Uh, I could especially use it now because I'm retired. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm on a fixed income. <laughs> makes
0: sense. It'd be a nice way to make money from from your house. Like you say, if you can get set
1: up. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You so mean when
2: you go and set him up? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think it takes much. It wouldn't take much. I, yeah. <laughs> I think I just am technologically um
0: impaired or yeah.
1: <laughs> impaired.
0: Yeah. There you go. Impaired. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I don't know what you would need for it. I'm assuming just like whatever Mike's got going on over here.
0: But yeah. I don't know. It does a good job of, of, of getting like some really good voice recordings.
1: Yeah, I need to make I need to be able to make some MP threes. Yep. And send them out. I can know? show you how to do all that. <laughs> I just gotta what, make the trip. <laughs> there you do. You yeah. do. Yeah. I'm gonna
0: talk to Tommy soon and you see should. if I can figure this out.
1: You should. Or tell me what I need to get, you know?
0: Yeah. I can definitely do that.
1: I have no idea. I could probably buy good secondhand stuff, you know?
0: Because what I've got, it's called a a Zoom recorder. No no, um, relation to what we're using to to talk on.
1: Right. You know what? I narrated some stories for this guy in England. He's a musician of sorts. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't exactly understand his artistic bent, but... Um. Uh, that was polite. But he's a really nice guy. He's yeah. a really really nice guy. I don't know what genre I would describe his work as. He's combining music and storytelling and he's like a performance artist, yeah, I guess. I kind of
0: yeah. kind of kind of imagine what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh those stories that he uses mm-hmm. Uh, are on my website. Yeah. So um, if you ever feel like taking a listen to what's on there, I have some long narration pieces on there. They're really too long. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what is the website, just so people can find it?
1: Yeah, it's uh, John dot com.
0: Okay.
1: Amplus at official? No. John? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Wait, I'll tell <laughs> Here it is. Wait oh, he's a looking
2: at a I can get
1: a nice. I should have it right up here at the top of my. Yeah, johnamplusofficial.com. It has to be that, right? Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but now we're talking about that uh, music. What kind of music do you listen to just out of curiosity?
1: Um, I have a kind of popular vent. Uh, But I do like jazz. I like the older jazz. Uh I like um, rhythm and blues Mm -hmm. and soul. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm attracted to a lot of that stuff. Some of the more popular stuff, you know, Adele and uh, uh, Sam. um, What's his name? Sam. Sam. Um, I'm not sure.
2: There's a couple of Sam, so I'm not (laughs) sure.
1: Are there? Sam. Well, anyway, he's well known. (laughs) uh you know stuff like percy sledge i mean i go kind of you know i I, i'm it's pretty eclectic to be honest not really classical though stuff yeah i will listen to it if it's on but i don't it doesn't attract me that much i guess i need need more soul in my life yeah
0: yeah (laughs) It's it's good background music if you're studying or something like that, but it's like yeah yeah you know, for like, sure you know yeah I don't really right. care to put it on most of the time myself <laughs>
1: yeah right. exactly um, but yeah that's the stuff I like okay. um, uh, honestly uh, well I know you're a musician I just don't want you to make fun of me you know
0: so. <laughs> uh, trust me I don't make fun of people for their musical taste I just don't do that because everybody's different
1: <laughs> well. Yes. We had that conversation uh, earlier. Not, great, not not big on country-western, yeah. um, or country, or whatever the hell they call it. Uh, these I like days. the
0: old stuff, but I, don't, I definitely don't like the stuff that's on the radio these days.
1: No. Yeah. See, I don't listen to it on the radio, so. I don't either. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I listen my every time my son gets in the car. I have NPR on, mm-hmm. and my son gets in the car and puts a jazz station on. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great, which is fine with me. So, and he's learned that from me, I will say. So, you know, jazz is probably, um, but that has a big spectrum, too, of, you know, uh, jazz has different.
0: Oh, yeah. There's different types of jazz. And, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very,
1: yeah. You know, from Miles Davis to, to Satchmo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. You know what I mean?
0: Is there anything that I haven't thought to ask you about that you wanted to talk about?
1: I have no idea. <laughs>
0: if I didn't think to ask you, I guess.
2: Give me your notes, and oh. I'll tell you. <laughs> you know
1: there, are, you oh. know there are always questions that go unanswered. Oh yeah. Well, um, on these on these programs.
0: <laughs> so we we did talk the other night on the phone or the other week on the phone. Uh, kind of mentioned the the sobriety thing and in, whether you want to oh, talk yeah. about that or not. Um,
1: yeah yeah yeah. I stopped drinking in in ninety one. Okay. Um, so f- f- 30, almost 30, what, 31 years ago? Mm-hmm. It'll be 31 years in January, okay. I think. I was one of those people that people didn't know I was an alcoholic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even really know I was an alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, but I knew I drank a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the theater world is full of parties, so it's oh, yeah. hard away so you know um, uh, beer and dope marijuana I should say mm-hmm. were my drugs yeah. <laughs> but it, it came to a head it came to a head in 1991 I was 40 I think I was 41 years old mm-hmm. yeah when I stopped I had just driven home a group of people four about 4 or 5 people to their homes after a party, and I was heading home, dropped the last person off, mm-hmm. very close to home, and on a curve, it started raining, mm-hmm. and the next thing I knew, I had driven off the road down a 25-foot embankment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I woke up with the car like this. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and a policeman staring in my window. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, that's scary. if I was all right. And then the next moment I remembered was uh, being in the hospital.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I really had to count my blessings that it was only me. Yeah, yeah. Um, having just dropped off for other human beings. Mm-hmm. So that, that was my wake up call. Yeah. You know, and I had had a DUI before, mm. um, but this one, um, this one, they were going to put me in jail, mm-hmm. but I didn't hear from my, I, I, unfortunately, no, no real serious injury. Yeah. Um, you know, my back was wrenched. Um, and I may have had you know, you know, some kind of scratch or yeah, yeah. something on my forehead, but um, other than that, I was alive and well. Uh, it was from that point that I stopped, mm-hmm. uh, and I haven't had a drink since. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to get wake wake up calls, you know. Well, it has to hit you in the goddamn face, you yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, alcoholics is. Notoriously egotistical and stupid at the same time. Yeah, we're self-destructive bastards. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got to learn sometimes. Uh-huh. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not a fast learner, <laughs> but that was the big lesson. Yeah, I have no interest in it. It doesn't. I mean, I I could be with people to drink.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I don't want to be with people that are drunk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. I, I don't like
0: to be around people that are drunk either. Even when, I, even yeah. when I'm having a drink or two. Like,
1: well, you know, for a while, I I just kind of stayed away from it altogether, yeah, yeah. And from those places, you know, and then you get used to that, yeah. Uh, and then things lighten up, and your life becomes a little better, and you're feeling better, and suddenly you have people yeah. you can communicate with and talk <laughs> to, and. And you don't need to, you don't need to be loaded. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I ran with a group of people that uh, their whole purpose in life was to uh, get loaded. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we, we would leave the theater at the end of the day. And, you know, there was a group of us right to the bar, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's where we would go. And I did that for a long time. Yeah. A long time, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really glad that it happened.
2: Look at the puppy.
1: Oh, uh, sorry, I got
2: distracted, John. All right,
1: <laughs> come here, Jack. Come here, baby. He's mad at me. He's so needy. Come here. He gets up here and he wants to hug me. I mean, he's he can't he can't. I if I go to the other room, he follows me. Mm. I'm his only. I'm his only friend. <laughs> right. Oh, he's so cute. All right. All right. You're smelling <laughs> more. <Not good. laughs> No more. That's all. Hold on. <laughs>
0: well, I've had oh, a really good time doing this.
1: Yeah, this has been fun. Oh, good. I'm glad you did, Mike.
0: Yeah. Um, what we'll have to do maybe is once Martin the three and a half hour version comes out, we've all had a chance to watch it. Maybe we'll, we'll have to do a little yeah. follow-up and talk uh, about it. Oh,
1: absolutely. It has my curiosity peak. Yeah. Um, we'll see if anybody contacts me. It, <laughs> yeah. It would be nice,
0: wouldn't it? I mean, you'd think so that if, far, they, they have it. if they're going to put together yeah. a Blu-ray or something and put it on there, they're going to want some extra stuff well, to put on it.
1: Commentary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, all I hear is what fans whisper. Yeah. Um, and that's all I know. Yeah. Um, but there is a Blu-ray that was in the process of being made mm-hmm. uh, that was supposed to come out already, but I think was uh, most recently uh, scheduled for this coming spring mm-hmm. of 22. Were you involved in that one at all? Yeah, we did a little a, a tour of the area mm-hmm. and uh, where it was made in Braddock and talked on camera about it, yeah. uh, about the making of it and, and the like. And so... Supposedly, they did a really good job with it, and it's the first time it was made into a turned into a Blu-ray. So, um, because people kept asking why why isn't there a Blu-ray of this, and I said, I don't know.
0: (laughs) I couldn't I couldn't find it anywhere online or anything. I actually ended up having to illegally download it because that's the only place I could find it.
2: Sometimes I have it on VHS.
1: Do you really? Yeah. yeah. You know what? I gave my one copy, I think. Well, I have other copies, but not the same copy. Um I had uh one copy of the first D V D that was made. Mm-hmm. And I loaned it to somebody and I never got it back. Oh no. Oh yeah. Oh well. I know it. I know what it's about. <laughs> And now
2: you're going to get eventually get three and a half more hours of it. I'm kind yep. of excited oh, I, about that. I can't uh, wait to yeah, see it.
1: That's yeah. That's an additional two hours of movie. Wow, mm-hmm. oh, that's yeah. so cool. Because the uh, as it exists commercially now, it maybe it's an hour and a half. Yeah, ninety one, ninety two minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's only about a minute or so of bloodletting in it. Yeah, that you see, people think it's you know, um a real blood letter, but it's not. No, yeah. There's a little bit of blood in each of the death scenes. Yep. Yeah. That.
2: <laughs> well you would but, expect that. Yeah. You know. For about so.
1: Nine seconds of blood is in the whole damn film. Yeah, the rest of it's just all <laughs> uh, characters. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. There's yeah. a lot of
2: story in that and I like it.
1: Yeah, there is a lot of story. That's right. hmm Yes, indeed. So where you're in? Are you in Charlotte or no? Well, are I, you? I live in I live in Kings
0: Mountain. It's a small town, about uh, thirty minutes, thirty forty minutes west of Charlotte.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, all right.
2: I but, live in Charlotte.
1: I, you live in. Charlotte. I live in
2: Charlotte. I drove. Mm-hmm. It was only like a thirty minute drive yeah. to come over here to do this. And I get to talk to my fr- both of my friends at the same time. That's yeah. super exciting. And we'll have to
0: get you to, sh- to Charlotte, to one of, the, one of the conventions in Charlotte.
2: Oh, yeah. I would love that. Yeah, what's going on there? I don't know what's going on now because of COVID, but I know eventually there'll be at the Mad Monster Party. Think, yeah.
0: So we need to get in touch with Mad Monster and say, why aren't you calling John Apple?" Yeah. That's
2: exactly right. <laughs> Mad Monster, is that the
1: name of the thing? Yeah. Yeah, Mad yeah.
2: Monster Party.
1: Oh, Mad Monster Party! That yeah. sounds familiar. I think Is they do. Them, I think
0: they do them in several different cities. Like it's, they do one in Charlotte. They do mm-hmm. one in on the West Coast. There's maybe
1: a
2: couple okay.
1: of cities. Yeah. We can get people from day down there too. I mean, mm-hmm. that'd be cool. They're available, and um, I mean, it's nice to have a group of Romero people. Oh yeah. Well, uh, the last
2: one I went to, what's his name? Ken Furry was there, and so was Tom yeah. Savini. And I remember Mm -hmm. meeting both of them, and they seemed really nice.
1: Yeah. Savini's um, – some people have a difficult reaction to him sometimes. (laughs) but He's really a sweetheart. He's a good, good guy, really good guy. And um, Ken Ferreira, I don't see that often. But uh, I'm sure he's – a good guy, too. Yeah, yeah, he
2: was super nice. I just, you know, it, it gets overwhelming at those things. So, I just kind of, like, introduced myself and talked for a minute and then moved on. <laughs>
1: yeah, it really can. Yeah. It can it can get pretty crazy. So, it's a fairly good size convention then, huh?
2: Yeah, it's pretty decent. It's fun. I feel like we got something else that's, like, closer by. Not closer by, but, like, between here and Atlanta. It's yeah, it like they seems like there was else. something
0: else, but I can't
1: remember. Uh,
2: COVID. COVID.
1: The days of the Dead?
2: They do have a Day of the Dead. And last time, I know it's been here before, mm-hmm. but I know it's definitely been in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and
2: Atlanta's four hours from here.
1: My manager uh, just turned down something for the, for March uh, for me. I, I don't think he turned it down. He asked for too much money. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is a shame because I could use the cash. And uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I'd love to come down. That'd be great. And yeah. be that'd be terrific. We'll
0: know. find out who runs that thing and get in touch with them. So, yeah, why don't you get apples?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got a lobby. Yeah, you got a lobby. You do.
2: Then you got enough people that listen to your podcast. You could totally get them to. Yeah. Absolutely. There you yeah.
1: Go. Yeah. Now, now, we're talking. now we're talking.
2: See, I'm now, good for some things.
1: A little, little promotional uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's what we want.
2: Okay. Now got, we have I- to sign a petition. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I, I, like I said, I, I heavily edit, so I'll, I'll cut out some things where you're trying to collect your thoughts and all that stuff. And then, like I said, some of our little hiccups, will probably make it into the podcast because I just, yeah. being, oh, being into punk rock, we, we, we do this, the DIY aesthetic, like the do-it-yourself. Oh, is that
1: your, uh, you're a punk rocker? Yep, yes, yep. he is. So, so, okay.
0: <laughs> so, because it's a DIY podcast, even though I heavily edit it and, and heavily produce it, I, I leave some of that stuff in there because I want people to know that it doesn't always go 100% smoothly. Yeah. Like, things happen and, and was, we deal with it.
1: I was in New York when the punk rockers were hot, man. Yeah, yeah. Down in the East Village, CBGB's. And, oh, yeah. Oh, that's you ever go to CBGB's? Hot. I went once. Yeah, okay. it was very loud and very crowded. <laughs> you do happen to remember what band was playing? And and I think. Went? I think I was very drunk oh, okay. <laughs> when I went to New York. There was a guy in the in Martin who comes in in the very first scene when people are getting on the uh, on the train. Yeah, yeah. And there's a group of girls, women, uh, also there. And they're jabbering at each other. And then he comes through, big guy, mustache. Uh, his name is Bob Ogden. Just passed away. Mm.
6: Mm.
1: A sound guy. Okay. Uh, sound designer. But he owned a, he owned a restaurant called Lady Asters, which was right directly across from the Shakespeare Festival on Lafayette. Okay. Uh, where Joe Papp had his theater. Anyhow, it was one of the most decadent restaurant bars in the city. Mm -hmm. A lot of us, uh, Chris Forrest, who knew Bob and I think even worked there for a while, got a whole bunch of us jobs. Um, So I started there as a a waiter, bad waiter, terrible waiter (laughs) and a bartender, you know, and so. Drinking became a social part of my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. At that point, you know. And uh, uh, people like uh, Roger in Dawn of the Dead came out of there. Uh, David Emge in Dawn of the Dead Uh came out. I knew David in 72. Um, He was part of the repertory company when I started at the Playhouse as a student. Okay. Wow. And so. We've known each other since then, you know, 50-some years. Yeah. 50 years. And, uh, in fact, I got him cast in Dawn. Okay. Uh, He he was one of at least the principals that I was able to get into the movie, which uh, I was happy to do. Yeah, I think the point was that uh, Lady Astor's was a watering hole for many of us Romero people. Mm Mm-hmm in the late 70s, eight, early 80s. And that's where I learned to drink. Yep. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, somebody, you got to start somewhere, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I was very good at it.
1: Or very
0: bad at it, depending on how you look at it.
2: <laughs> yeah, well... Um, I am really bad at drinking. I, I know that for I, a fact. I, I am really bad at drinking. I, I, I
1: am, too. <laughs> I am too. Thank goodness. Um the fact that uh I wasn't good at it is is why I'm alive today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That makes perfect sense. Um, so
0: you think we got it all? Yeah. I've got two hours of I mean we're getting ready to hit two hours and less than minute. I just can't remember them. Yeah. Well, I just want to know your story, like how you got you know, where you went how you got to where you are now and that's that's the important thing
1: yeah well um, you gotta you gotta you got a little bit of it you know yeah there's much more <laughs> well we're gonna get
2: more when the three yeah, and a yeah, half yeah, hour yeah, thing yeah, of martin yeah. comes out because i'm i'm yeah. hoping i'm gonna be able to sit in for that oh, yeah. one too yeah, right absolutely okay. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely we might have to watch that movie together so we can prepare for
1: it. that would be awesome yeah.
0: Yeah. that'd be cool yeah
1: yeah that's some popcorn yeah Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: A lot of it. It's three and a half hours long. <laughs> yes, a lot of it.
1: Yeah, You probably have to do it. There, there's hopefully an intermission.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you can make your own if you're watching it at home, I guess. But it would be nice if it comes out and when you see it in
1: the theater. That would be cool. Be be something, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I oh, probably won't be invited to that either. So.
2: <laughs> I would have to bring a blanket because I freeze to death in the theater. In Speaking three and a half hours, I will be so
1: cold.
0: Well, John, it's it's been great talking to you. We don't want to hold you up any longer than we have to. Oh,
1: listen, no hold up at all. I, it was my pleasure. Um, I know I hem and haw a lot, um, so cut those out. Make me sound like I'm intelligent in some regard.
0: <laughs> but I was going to say, usually, like with my music podcast, I always cut in music. So for this one, I'll be cutting in like just clips from the movies. Like, oh, that'd be cool. Like probably from the trailers. I'll probably play parts of the trailers.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah.
0: Just to kind of that's, break up the talk a little bit. Well, you yeah. know,
1: the trailer. The trailer has some of the narration. Yeah. Um, that is not in the movie. Okay. I'm pretty sure yeah. there's some stuff um, that Martin is saying in his head, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the trailer. So uh, that that that's the only remnant of the original that I can point to
0: cool all right
1: and Um, then so guess we have the whole thing yep (laughs) supposedly they need to restore it somehow yeah i'm sure that they're Uh, they're gonna have to if it
2: got if it vanished and now it's coming back i'm sure they have to do something with it yeah
0: they're gonna make it
1: well i'm sure it just sat there in in case in a you know in a can Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, there are three reels um so uh, and Mike Gornick, our our cinematographer, who also worked for Laurel, um, he's the one that filed it away, you know, his signatures on it. Mm. Uh, and so he was the one that, you know, said, yes, it's the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, thank you. Thank you. So much. It was thank fun. You. Thank you, Jess. I appreciate you're uh, wanting to hear more from me. Um, well, why, I don't know. Well, but it was like,
2: I was telling Mike, I was like, we don't usually talk about, when me and you are on the phone, we don't usually talk about, like, your your acting career. We talk about you teaching and, and all that. But, you know, yeah. so this was this was pretty nice for me, too, to sit down and listen to these stories, because I never hear them. Oh, uh, good.
1: Good, <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, I'm sure there's been a lot left out, but... Um, you know, maybe that's a book. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that'd be cool. I, I would keep, read it. I, I keep threatening, but I can't. I, I have, I have no writing skills. You no. Get your
0: ghostwriter. All you have to do is tell the stories, and they'll put it together for you.
1: Mm-hmm. That's what I need—a ghostwriter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Excellent. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks for the tip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this has been a Gabba Hunt Media production.
1: Oh, gee, come on. Um, Can I find it? <laughs> I'm sorry. I. Oh, gee, whiz. Well, I'll find it before <laughs> the evening is over. Uh, I think it's just. Jo- uh, yeah, I think it's just John Amplis Official at
0: JohnAmplisOfficial.com. Yeah, that's it. That's it. (laughs) That's it. it.
6: (laughs) Okay, that's it. Now we know John's website is.